The last word on sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie. So we're only a matter of weeks away from football's World Cup starting in Qatar. So what has FIFA decided to do today? Well, it has written to each of the 32 nations taking part and told them not to allow the football to be dragged into every ideological or political battle that exists. We're joined by Miguel Delaney, Chief Football Writer of The Independent. What is FIFA up to here? Uh, Well, I would say, I mean, it's almost a logical progression of the last few years of the attitude towards the tournament of also, I think, FIFA's um, relationship with Qatar in that regard. Um, And yeah, I mean, also, it contradicts one of the supposed, one of FIFA's long defences of staging this tournament, which is that football can be a force for change, can be positive legacy, whatever whatever sort of typical language they use to describe it. But how can you be any sort of positive change if you're actually discouraging those involved and talking about the primary issues. Now, to be fair, there has been, it was Rob Harris that broke the story for Sky, um, who actually is very near me at the moment. <laughs> and one of the elements mentioned of it, or as part of it was, it's not just about Qatar, that's obviously such a huge part. It has also been all the kind of, um, these motions now to get Iran removed from for the tournament, both because of the situation in Iran and also because of um, the requests from, from Ukraine. Um, but, and yeah. sorry, the request for Ukraine being because it is accused of Iran of effectively arming Russia. So the weapons been supplied by Iran are killing Ukrainian people at present. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. And I think that, 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 that is part of it. But yeah, ultimately it all feeds into to the wider context, which is that um, for all the talk of, of football being some sort of force, there's a sense at this point that both FIFA and Qatar just want this tournament to go ahead. And it does feel like there's been a developing part of this, which is that FIFA don't want to offend the Qataris. I mean, there's some extraordinary language used in the, in the letter, especially the one about, um, you know, football shouldn't be giving moral lessons out to the rest of the world. When, again, as, as they talk about all the time... Um, they, they, they try to use football's power or mention its power whenever it actually suits them, but not in this case. Yeah, the stuff in the letter which is jarring. For example, it says, one of the great strengths of the world is indeed its very diversity. And if inclusion means anything, it means having respect for that diversity. So effectively, it's calling on member nations to show respect for the Qataris wanting to have no respect for people from the LGBT community. Yeah, completely. And, and again, that's, that's just one of the elements of this World Cup that's... And, and it, it is amazing. I'm doing a piece of Monthly Independence where basically I'm trying to set out all of the many issues of this World Cup, and it's extraordinary the breadth of them. I mean, in fact, when it came to the human rights groups coming together to actually try and leverage something on FIFA, it took them so much negotiation because there were so many issues that they eventually settled on this, on this call for FIFA to compensate uh, the families of migrant workers, something that still hasn't happened, something that most federations haven't actually got behind. Um, but because, yeah, Miguel, I, I, I suppose we should just clarify for people here, there have been estimates that there may have been as many as 6,000 migrant workers who have died in the construction of the eight state-of-the-art stadiums, as the FIFA letter calls them. Yeah, and even that, I mean, Qatar have persistently quibbled with that number. 
But the only grounds they have for quibbling with that number is because they won't actually investigate the number of debts. It's impossible to actually say what the, what the, debt, the number of debts are. Even if they, it was they, 600 they, rather than 6,000, it would still be a scandal. Well, exactly. That's absolutely it. And also, it's been something I've been thinking about a lot. Like, I'm, I'm due to go there, work, work as a reporter for the World Cup, obviously. But when you, when you actually stand back and consider what this is, we, somehow we're normalising an event that has been built with migrant workers. In many cases, in fact, I would actually urge people to watch a documentary on Amazon called The Workers' Cup. It's a, a rare documentary. They got access to, to one of the camps and spent a lot of time with them. But it also paints a situation where, and it's remarkable when you actually spell it out, hundreds of thousands of workers who essentially lured to Qatar under promises. Some lured under false uh, pretenses or false premises. Like one of the workers that thought he was going as a footballer. Then suddenly they get there, find themselves in a situation where their passport is often confiscated, can't move job, are, st- are stuck in this sort of company. Basically, and it, it is true, it's a, it's a form of bondage. They're often paying recruitment fees which they have to pay back and can't afford. Workers can't get out, and it's it's amazing that situation has been normal. Before you get to any all of the many other issues, from Qatar being a surveillance state to, as you say, the LGBT plus issues, uh, and for and for this to be accepted, and not only for it to be accepted in the way that it has kind of happened, for FIFA now to actually be pushing back against any fair scrutiny of this or fair questioning of it, to try and you know coral this this feeling of solidarity or communality among the football, it's it's. It's, it's quite obscene, really. Yeah, in the letter it also says, no one people or culture or nation is better than any other. Which again is demonstrably false because if, if it wasn't the case, I mean, Russia has been expelled for FIFA because of its invasion of Ukraine. If a country carries out various acts of war, then it will not be allowed to take part in the World Cup. That's a value judgment, the type of judgment that FIFA is now trying to deny itself in this letter. Well, exactly, and it's this, it's this classic um, sporting approach as well, where they try and they always try and have this separation between football and politics, and kind of draw a very direct line there. But that's basically the way to actually handle these situations is what they did with Russia, which is you you inevitably have to take a nuanced approach because politics and sport are absolutely intertwined, completely integrated, and it, it's better to have a sophisticated view. But of course, sophisticated, nuanced views take uh, a lot more thought and calculation and consideration. Than uh, an approach, and, and again, it comes as you're saying in terms of well, no culture is better than either. Well, I mean, when, when it comes right down to it, I'd rather the World Cup was staged in a way that didn't involve anyone suffering. <laughs> and I'm, I'm laughing at that. But I'm laughing almost out of kind of shock, really, because I, no football tournament is worth that. You see, you have a situation. I'm getting back to the workers, and no matter how many died. All of the others who were paid slave labour wages, who were kept, were overworked, kept in dreadful conditions. And contrast that then with the money that Qatar has spent on stars like David Beckham to promote Qatar as a place to visit. Uh, using the PR firm Tenio, for example, to have this campaign to burnish its image. And also, and I don't know if Tenio is responsible for this, so I'm not suggesting it is, but there has been this campaign to suggest that anybody who questions Qatar is racist. Yeah, and that's, that's actually something that's that's been mirrored in some of the defences used by actually one of the, one of the uh, Qatar's great rivals from the Gulf blockade, Abu Dhabi, through the, the Abu Dhabi ownership of Manchester City. It was mentioned by Ka- the chairman of Manchester City, Khaldun al-Mubarak, three years ago in an address where he, where he, he was actually he was directly addressing comments by the League of President, Javier Tebas. And yeah, it, it's, it's basically just kind of a simplistic way, quite an offensive way, to put down 
uh, fair criticism. Uh, and also, just in terms of the public relations as well in Beckham, it's interesting, Be Beckham did a PR event on Tuesday in London for this new documentary series he has, where media were invited, but there was no Q&A, because obviously one of the first questions Beckham is going to get at anything now is how he can justify being the face of guitar in this way. But also, th this, is, this is another element of this, it's so offensive, but it points to the, the multiple issues of this World Cup. I mean, oh, given the money Qatar is sitting on, <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to put it, really. But they, they, of course, have ample funds to basically have a complete reform of their labour system. They, and they put it on over the 12 years between the, the award and the World Cup and now, given that this became such an issue. But what they've actually done is spent a fortune on PR trying to mitigate uh, criticism of, of this system. And it's, it's, it, when you stand back like that again, it's just, it's incredible we're in this situation. I'm but, sorry, Miguel, that also it then goes to this hiring or paying for 1,600 fans from the 32 counties or countries to go on an all-expenses-paid trip to Qatar to sing in the opening ceremony and then to stay on for at least two weeks and do sort of social media engagements, being influencers. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I think that, that's something that has, I'm not sure I'm 100% correct in this, that ha is something that has been done at World Cups before. But of course, it, it, it acquires such a different dimension here because of the nature of Qatar and the nature of this tournament. And essentially, because what they, what they are, like, they're being paid by, by, by Qatar in that way. They're not actually fans going, they're paid employees. And that, that should be made clear in any, in any social media posts, uh, putting it out or, or praising the tournament in any way. But, but, but again, that just touches on what we're saying. You know? at, at, at the moment, actually, it's been, given we've had 10 years of growing criticism of Qatar, there's been real pushback over the last few months. You, you mentioned there and how the kind of the, the racism angle has, has, has come out as a way to try and push back against criticism. But 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 also there, they've been since around April when, when even Gareth Southgate kind of gently broached some criticism. The, the pushback was severe, and it, they've been very aggressive at the moment. And and it's an aggression that is really only going to be emboldened by a letter like FIFA's. I wonder then as well what the players and countries will do when they get there. I know Jurgen Klopp has made comments about it's not fair to expect the players to make political statements during the tournament. And I'm sure the players are there to concentrate on the World Cup and doing as well as they can for their countries. But do you think will teams do things like such as maybe wearing uh, these special uh, armbands in support of the LGBT community? Will you get more videos like the Australian players did protesting the treatment of the migrant workers? So the Australians have really set the bar for everyone. I know people will try and dismiss that as, oh, it's just an easy video to do. But it's not, because again, we're in a context where most federations won't even back a campaign for compensation to workers. So for the, so I mean, that's really the baseline. So for the Australian players to go this far, and what I must, what I must say, a video I found quite moving and quite impressive, it's, it's set now a high bar for everyone else. At the moment, there's been no talk from other, other squads apart from, as you mentioned, the wearing of these armbands, which it does feel like a little bit of a, a classic football gesture and kind of trying to be seen to do the right thing, but not necessarily taking much of a risk with it. Now, that said, I was at a, I was at a, um, a foreign office briefing on Tuesday about just how Qatar is going to be policed and the general setup. And uh, there was a delegate from the Welsh FA there who was asked specifically about this. He said they've requested permission from FIFA to wear these armbands. They haven't yet got permission. They, uh, FIFA said they'll, they'll, they'll respond in due course. But Wales, to be fair, did say that if, even if, the, if FIFA say no, they'll still wear the, wear the armbands. Now, again, it's a small thing, but we're talking about a context where FIFA are sending letters like this. I gather England plan to wear the armbands 
But yeah, we're two weeks out from the tournament now. I do wonder whether... I, I must say, I thought the Australian uh, video would have pushed a few more into it. Maybe we'll see it when squads right. actually come together. And you do um, have the issue, I think, isn't it, with the Danish jersey as well, that the sponsors or the yeah, kit yeah, manufacturers yeah. didn't want their name in it. One last thing that strikes me, and this goes back to, you said, the briefing you got in London this week, because uh, the British Home Office, I think it was, or caused consternation by basically saying to the fans who were travelling, uh, don't do anything out of the way, behave yourselves according to the customs of your host country, which in normal circumstances, would you would say, probably good advice, and particularly given the reputation of English football fans in hooligan behaviour uh, when they've got to previous tournaments, more European championships maybe than World Cup because of the distance they have to travel. But there are very small numbers travelling, it would seem. So the chances of any trouble maybe are going to be limited by the fact that we're not going to see an enormous number of people travelling to this World Cup as we would have in previous ones. Which was a bit like with Russia as well. I mean, it was interesting. As you mentioned, they're given the reputation of of England fans and given that in recent times I was in Porto and there for the Nations League I was in Seville when there were massive issues with England fans um, but that hasn't been the case with the World Cup generally because the last few World Cups have been difficult and expensive to get to also I think they're quite well policed in terms of who goes and I think they have something like 1300 banning orders so it means that it'll be probably it'll be a more a more football focused type of fan that goes and they're only expecting they had 5,000 Russia there, the, the foreign office is only expecting two to three thousand English fans to go um, to go to Qatar with a similar number of Welsh fans. Although I, I'd actually been told that some Welsh fans are, or maybe a, a good contingent of them, because they don't want to go to Qatar because of the, because of the, their political beliefs, they're instead going to go to uh, Tenerife as part of the as part of the big Welsh away day and, and watch the tournament from there, which is I suppose quite a nicer thing in, in in that regard. But yeah, but even in relation to that, I mean, kind of some of the the advice given about how to behave. It's, it's actually it's been interesting because at that briefing as well, there's a, there's a certain amount of evasiveness about because they can't really give straight out. All they can do is kind of refer to Qatari authorities. So w- one thing that's been actually a note of consternation for journalists is we all have to download this higher app. Now there's been reports in which is to do with um, to do with COVID and, and your pass into the into it was also you have to apply for it when you're applying for your visa for the competition. And there's been all sorts of concerns. There was a report in Norway about. Um, what type of uh, technology this is, whether it can kind of access your phone. Now, we're not putting too fine a point in it. As a journalist who's, uh, who's criticized Qatar and going into what is a surveillance state, to have to download an app like this is, um, I mean, this, was, this was put to people in the foreign office and they just couldn't give a straight answer. We just had the kind of same plan, oh, the, the, the app will be fine to use. Well, it's not exactly very reassuring. Okay, look, we'll be talking to you at length in the build-up and throughout the World Cup. Miguel Delaney, Chief Football Writer of The Independent. Thank you. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.